Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and with me via Zoom communications, ticker symbol ZM, is Maurice and Amanda. I'm going to introduce you guys as the Civil Discord podcast. This is like a, this is a combo that we're doing right now. What is up? Oh, you know, just living the dream. Uh, I've been incognito for probably about three weeks now, took a nice little media break and it has been great. I noticed I've been like, what did I do to piss Maurice off? I'm so sorry. <laughs> what happened? That's that's like all I've been. I've, I've, that's all I've been thinking about. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Amanda, how's your day going so far? My day is going fantastic. It's the best part of it is right now. Getting to talk to you guys and, and hang out with the live group. You mean it Definitely. wasn't uh, it wasn't whatever classes you were taking on Machiavelli or something today? Uh, we're still because UCLA is on the quarter system, so I'm not back in school for a bit. But I am writing a paper over the summer. Um, my my uh, strategy for writing papers, by the way, is to have a paper and then write about literally anything other than the paper that you're supposed to write. So (laughs) it's been going well. I might crank out a couple articles for you instead of finishing this thing. That sounds pretty good. I've been waiting for your synopsis on Afghanistan to come in any day now. So I have a five point plan. (laughs) So uh, one of you, I want to talk a little bit about uh, each one of you. Now, Amanda, you got you got your own rehumanizing project episode. But still, uh, you know, for for everyone who hasn't listened to that, we'll we'll go through some of that stuff. But first, I want to know about your podcast, whoever wants to talk about it and tell everyone what it's about, whoever says it, whoever tells it best. Amanda definitely speaks a lot better than I do for anybody <laughs> who listens to the podcast. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it actually started in, uh, the discord. Um, we, we were on a, we were on a little chat and, uh, I had mentioned something about nobody wants to hear me speak about anything. And Amanda was like, I can listen to you talk. And we are very um, different in our libertarian views as far as like, I'm more of the anarcho-capitalist side and she's more of the, more of the minarchist. And um, so, which is where the, the, um, the actual name civil discord came from, because we speak about things civilly, even though we do disagree with um, on certain aspects, like we've talked about a couple of things we disagree with i.e. what's happening in Australia, how we should handle things with that, or um, previous, uh, the attack that that happened a, a few, probably back in May or so, we disagreed on all that, on, all, on a lot of that, a lot of those things, excuse me. Um, but we, we met in the Discord, just kind of talking in the Patreon group, discussing things, and in case nobody knows, Amanda is st- stupid intelligent. Like, I'm talking through <laughs> the roof. Like challenges Nate on the one who knows just about everything there is to know about oh, I, everything. There's, I don't think there's a challenge, honestly. I, that's being. <laughs> I, I, can I, challenge I appreciate you, on you being nice, Maurice, but I don't know that there's a challenge. <laughs> so I, I thought you were just going to leave it at stupid. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm the stupid one in the podcast for sure. I'm the mean one. I'm the aggressive one. So. <laughs> the, the funny thing is that Maurice doesn't swear, and so the I am I am. Constantly, I've, I think I've gotten a little bit better, but I, I do swear. And so every time I do it, I'm like, did, did I just, am I in trouble with Maurice now? So, you know, aggressive is a relative term. I like, you know, I didn't understand what the name came from exactly. And it's really the two of you. I didn't realize that you had any uh, disagreements or on anything. So that's, oh, yeah. that's a really cool name. I like it. Yeah, the, the name. So I think the first time 
that I use the phrase civil discord was as a typo in a statement of purpose. Cause I, I was trying, I was trying to write civic discord and I wrote civil discord and I thought that's not right. So I was able to edit it before I sent my application, but it, it kind of stuck with me. And because I define myself as a civil libertarian, Maurice is obviously an anarcho-capitalist. I thought, okay, well, I initially pitched civil anarchy and we thought that, that was a little bit too strong because it, it can turn some people away. What we really want to do is we want to bring in people who maybe aren't libertarian, are just skeptical of a lot of things uh, and and you know, but when our tagline is radically curious or radical curiosity. So we want to bring in those people. We don't want to push anyone away with anarchy or anything like that. So, uh, civil discord, uh, just, it's sort of a play on civil discourse, but yeah, we, we do have our civil discord from time to time. And I think it goes well. I, I will say I've been listening to it and it's really good. I was listening to the episode about Australia earlier. I really enjoyed the episode about Afghanistan and you guys do a new episode every week when you want to. Is that is that yes. how it goes? Yeah. Or it's actually it's every week when my Internet wants to work. OK, because here lately, the Internet that I've had, it's been I've been without all types of Internet for probably about every every other week on and off. It, it's it's nuts. It is nuts. You know, yesterday I thought that I was without Internet. It turned out I had plugged my phone into my computer and I was actually just connected to the hotspot and I have terrible service at my house. And so I was like, what's going on? I restarted the router and everything like uh, it and it, it just wasn't going to work. And I probably didn't have to tell anyone that story, but I just, I just thought <laughs> it's that a personal story. So you guys know that um, we, you know, on our podcast, we haven't been doing our regular episodes for a bit because we've had, man, we had the week of Freedom Fest. We had the we had the two weeks of COVID, uh, which is a new song that I'm working on right now. And, um, and it's just then, you hacking for, for six minutes. Yeah, it's... and then Charlie uh, left to go to Italy. I think he's probably okay. I've texted him back and forth a little bit. He should be back at the end of the week. And now I haven't been doing the normal stuff where we do all these news stories every day. So what do you guys think is like the biggest news story I'm missing out on right now? Because I haven't talked any news in quite a little bit. What do you... What you guys been talking about that's amanda she she's the news guru as far as picking <laughs> things up because i've been doing my nice little fast so that's all her yeah maurice has been on this media fast i don't know we got uh we have well just what happened was it today or yesterday we have um pfizer getting fda approval right uh, mm -hmm. which is always exciting Afghanistan continues to be the order of order of the day for a lot of outlets. I think there's some going back and forth on whether or not people actually will withdraw by the 31st. And the administration is saying that they will hold to this deadline. I wouldn't be surprised if there were like a co-op that maybe stayed in the area a little bit longer. But I also wouldn't be surprised if there weren't. It all depends on the optics at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure that, you know, what I haven't been able to decide is if they if they knew that this was going to happen or if this was a total surprise. I haven't been able to figure that out yet. I was talking with some family about it, and it seems like anyone you listen to on this, they tell you that the Afghan army was just going to fold as soon as soon as they had any resistance at all. Right. And, and so I can't figure out how they had any uh, intelligence that was telling them that everything was going to be fine after they started leaving, which then leads me into like, did they know that this was going to happen uh, like this? And so they just, they wanted to leave and 
then you can get all conspiracy theorists and it gets real fun. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, I do more of that talking off the podcast, but it is, right. go, it is fun to go down those paths sometimes. We definitely discussed that a little bit on last week's episode. Um, I, I had mentioned, I was like, maybe they knew that this was going to happen. So now they have this excuse to go back in and say, oh, look at all these bad things that are happening since we left, you know, because now the Taliban's taken over. So now they have now they have given people another excuse to say we need to go back into Afghanistan to make sure, hey, we got to keep things civil over there kind of thing. So, yeah, that's been that's been one of my theories for sure that this is just a uh, the great reset of the Afghan war. <laughs> 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 that's what we're seeing. Um, I, so that's been I, I wrote I wrote this. I think I wrote this on Twitter. I made a little bit of a joke about it in the in our last podcast, but I realized something that Afghanistan is in Asia, right? Mm-hmm. And isn't the first classic blunder never get involved in a land war in Asia? Uh, that's what my uh, granddaddy used to say. From the Princess Bride. <laughs> we know this. This is I might have just dated myself significantly, but um, yeah. So I don't know why why we're uh, why we're erring in that regard. Yeah, I. I mean, I feel like we should have, if we were going to learn that lesson, it would have happened over, over <laughs> a, quite a long time right now. So that's been really interesting. And you know, you mentioned the Pfizer vaccine being fully approved. You know what I, I kind of crossed my mind while you're saying that is um, the. <clears throat> Whatever the safety level of the vaccine is, it didn't change because the FDA just approved it. Right. It was already there. It's <laughs> it's the same vaccine that it was before that. And I, that was definitely something. Oh, I'm sorry. That that, that was definitely something that that, that that people were talking about. And I was like, my thoughts still haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Like just because the government says that it's fully approved now that we're okay, still hasn't changed my thoughts on 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 this vaccine or or anything in general about the FDA. I don't trust the FDA about a lot of things. So this just is not something that I'm going to buy. Okay, yeah, it's approved. So here we go now. I'm getting it kind of thing. Yeah, I just, I hope that that's a lesson that, and, and I'm not really, you know, I know nothing about whether or not the vaccine is safe at all. Right. I haven't, I haven't had it. I haven't done any, I haven't done any tests on it. So I don't really know, but what I, what I hope people will take away is that we were already, people were already taking this vaccine and it wasn't fully approved by the FDA. They just fully approved that nothing changed whatsoever. And I hope it will tell them just how useless the FDA really is. And that you can, if, if anything, you trusted these companies to make something that wasn't going to kill you. And, and that's what you did even more. So a lot of people on the left, you trusted the companies to make a product that was going to save lives instead of, instead of take lives. I don't know what that would come from, but it sounded catchy in the moment. So uh, that, and you know, why can't we just do that all the time? We can't well, because, because people don't trust us. Yeah. We're, and, we're selfish. We're mean. And you would lose jobs. Cause there are a lot of bureaucrats. There are a lot of very, very hard, uh, hard sitting bureaucrats at the, at the FDA who, who need to be paid. Now tell everyone I was scrolling through here and I remember what the episode that I just <clears throat> listened to was about who wants to tell me what the heck is going on in Australia? What what is happening right now? This was the part I think I got a little bit hawkish about Australia. I think at one point I may have argued. Oh, you guys have a disagreement a on this. Invasion. This is exciting. Well, let's let's chat this out. I'll be a mediator for y'all. Let's figure out who's right or wrong. I'll 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 uh, I'll chime in. I- <laughs> 
I'm not ready to go full ground invasion quite yet. We do, however, now have a surplus of troops who have just left Afghanistan and they're looking for a humanitarian. They're looking for a place to spread democracy. Mm. And and Australia might might be a better might be better fit. No, I I think. And uh, tell me if this is your memory of it, Maurice, the substance of our our disagreement had a little bit more to do with what whether there should be a, a response from the international community and also mm. if, if businesses then have some kind of obligation to refuse to, to trade with Australia. Because right. um, they're, they're an island. I mean, at, at some point, if you're an island, there's, especially if you're not allowing things to come and go, at some point something gives. But. Right. And so what in essence happened is, is New Zealand had one COVID case. And I want to say it was their first COVID case in six months. And it was deemed to be the, the Delta variant. And so they shut down Auckland and their other major large city for seven days. Like you're not allowed to leave your house. If you leave, you have to be within five kilometers of your house. And Australia is doing the same thing. They're literally sending police officers door to door to make sure that everybody is in home. It's pretty much a police state. Like when 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 we as libertarians discuss a police state, this is it. Um, they they uh, so as, and we didn't mention this on, on the on the episode, but they're killing dogs at animal shelters to deter people from coming to adopt animals during all this because you're not allowed to leave your home. Like, what? Yes. Granted, granted. Yes. And it's horrible. Granted, when that story broke, there was a statement that came back like, no, we didn't approve of this. We're going to look into it. Right. But, but it's yeah. happening. So, I mean, so it, it, it is within within both countries. And they they were even discussing how <laughs> so I now know what you guys mean when you have to stay stay away from the chat while you're um, while you're talking, because it is easily distracting. It, it is. But. <laughs> Yeah, but so so and they're and they're actually um, the 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 prime minister of New Zealand is actually talking about how Australia botched their whole um, their 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 Delta variant thing. So they're trying to do things, and it was all over. New Zealand was all over one case, just one case over. I want to say that the the gentleman was fifty eight or fifty three years old. His wife is vaccinated. He wasn't. So they shut down the entire country because of that one case. Nicole brought up a good point in the group chat. She says that she was told to, quote, take a fucking seat because it's, quote, to protect the Aboriginal communities. But here's the here's the issue is that the Aboriginal communities do already have a very tense relationship with uh, with law enforcement. And there have been several stories about how this is exacerbating pre-existing tensions between the Aboriginals and law enforcement officials. So I think protecting Aboriginal communities might require a different strategy. Um, you know, my only concern, well, not only, but my concern was and is that I, this is one of those things that I don't think should go unresponded to um, in some regard. And we were considering various options. Again, this is when I go to what's what's a humanitarian solution. You could have people because it's not everywhere in Australia either. If you had people coming in to help others move and relocate, that might be an answer. Uh, but of course, you'd have to do that on a big scale and you'd also have to be allowed into Australia, which is currently not happening. 
I know that you've talked a lot about how tariffs might be one of the, or maybe uh, sanctions, or maybe just overall trade. Obviously, less violent way than doing than physically sending boots on the ground somewhere. And I'm like, I don't want the U.S. government to do that or anything. But I wouldn't be upset if I saw some U.S. companies say that they weren't going to do business with Australia until they stopped some of their policies. I would love to see someone say that uh, at a really large company. Like, can you imagine if uh, <clears throat> if Apple was like, we're not going to sell any products in, uh, in Australia until they stop these policies because we don't agree with it? That's actually something that could sway people right there. Right. Now, I wouldn't say it with the social media companies because the government would probably like for the social media companies to shut everyone down in Australia because uh, that would stop people from being able to organize protests or make it much harder and uh, right. show everything that they were doing. So <clears throat> I uh, yeah, and what uh, Jeff was just saying, why would they do that? They want it here. And the reason I think you're not going to get a big response from the international community is because I think a lot of people deep down, they agree with what Australia is doing and they wish they could see it in their country. Right. And and I think a lot of people look at what's going on there and like, yeah, we I mean, we've literally had people say this is uh, this is anecdotal, but we have a lot of comments from people saying we should have done what New Zealand did or we should have done what Australia did and shut people down and block them in their uh, housing complexes and not let them leave. And then we wouldn't have had the virus here. And so right. what I'm worried is that there's so many people that deep down agree with what's happening that there's not really going to be a response from it until it really turns deadly. But yeah. we only care about people dying from COVID. So I don't know if it'll ever turn into the deadly that those people would care about. Right. It's already turned violent. Yeah. And I, I would, I would, I think I, I share your concern that if you, you can't really, it's unlikely that you're going to see private companies saying, we're not going to trade with you, Australia on mass unless there is an incentive to do that. And a lot of times that incentive comes from the people. Uh, I'm not sure. Australia isn't really even getting that much attention. And I brought this up earlier too, that I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we expect that Australia is going to be a, a nice Western, you know, well-performing country. And we don't like when that when that perception gets violated or challenged somehow, my question is, you know, how do you, how do you incentivize the, how do you incentivize companies to put pressure on a, what, what looks increasingly like a totalitarian government? There are definitely totalitarian measures in play here. Definitely. Oh, oh and one thing that, that, that we also brought up when we discussed it was these are two countries that their citizens are not armed. Like they're, they they had their what their voluntary buyback you know years ago and so forth and so now the government can come in and do these things and that's that's one of the big things that i know people want that in the us and so forth but when you have so many people who who are armed and say like you're like you're not gonna lock me in my house like i'm gonna i'm gonna be able to free and do these things i mean the people in australia they're protesting and doing everything that they can they're getting arrested they're getting shot up with tear gas. Everything that we saw during all of the riots and stuff, you know, a year ago or whatnot is literally happening over there. Of course, it's not getting any media coverage because, like Amanda said, I mean, it's, this is a Western civilized country that we want to paint in a great light because this is Western culture. This is Western government. We we don't do bad things to people in Western government because we have we've grown and we've evolved past past all those trivial tribal type 
type of governments and so forth. But if if the people in Australia and I'm a huge firearms guy, I feel like most people would know that. Well, people know that. But if if the citizens in Australia did have some sort of way to defend themselves with actual firearms, not the ones that the government allows to have, I I don't want to say I guarantee, but it's highly likely that what they're doing now would not be happening. The uh, you know you were saying that we don't want to believe that a that a Western country and uh, would be like this. And one thing that I I think is happening is since the you know I think the media overall is in favor of some of these COVID measures. They're definitely in favor of the fear behind COVID, all of that. Not saying it's not real or anything. I'm just saying the media wants people to tune in to see how bad everything is every day. And uh, the other thing I would say is when you have a country, a Western country like this and a predominantly white country like this, well, if we show them, if we show people news clips of what's going on in Australia, they're going to get scared, but it's going to be scared of going towards these COVID measures. They're going to see mm. themselves in this news, and it's going to be harder for us to push some of the lockdown measures that we want to push here. And so I don't want to show them a picture of themselves on the news once this all goes too far. And and so that's another thing that I think you would be happening right now from the media. Definitely. And that's why the internet is such a powerful tool, right? And we're, we're seeing this for the most part, I think, online. And yes, there are algorithms that can make it more difficult for you to see these stories. But if there's a, a significant enough swell of people, you know, uploading these these photos, these videos, then it becomes very difficult to ignore. So again, this is this is a place where a, a free uh, a free online uh, kind of digital, you know, digital presence really helps. And another thing I'd be interested in seeing just to, uh, I'll play devil's advocate with our entire conversation right now. What I would be interested in knowing is, um, how widespread, you know, so during our lockdowns, you know, we shut down businesses. Uh, we had some protests that weren't, they weren't like big protests that you've seen around the world or anything, but we had some protests, some super spreader events that happened. And uh, so we had the protests about the COVID lockdowns. We had people that were getting arrested because they refused to put masks on, stuff like that. Um, we had saw several videos about this happening. And I'm wondering, what I wonder is, is if you could come up with as many videos from the United States over the last year as videos that you've seen from Australia of some of the same things happening, some of these uh, altercations that occur with police. Because obviously, uh, when, you, when you get maced by a police officer or you get arrested, it doesn't even have to have anything to do with what you were doing. Like, it doesn't say someone doesn't have a mask on, so mace them real quick. It says right. they were disobeying whatever my orders were, and then they were they were resisting, and then I can do whatever I want after that. So it can eventually lead to something like that, I assume. Um, so what I'm just wondering is, um, I, I, need to, I need to find, we need to find an Australian to come here on the podcast and they can speak for the entire country and they can tell me exactly what's going on because <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll tell you what we, we don't have as many of, we certainly don't have as many clips uh, of, of we, we don't have as many news reports where people are outright saying, be on the lookout for this man who's escaped 
his apartment because he's tested positive for COVID. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we don't have, I, I don't, I don't think the U S has any, uh, coronavirus detention center known as the center for national resilience. <laughs> I continue to harp on this because it's terrifying. Do not name any kind of detention center, the center for national resilience, please. Especially if it's not a if it's a segregation type of thing. That's, it's too close. It's it's just a little too close. Uh, so so we don't have that. Um, yeah, you know, I you do see more extreme measures. I think being being taken in Australia. Um, but you're right that we can't speak for the country. Stone Cold was asking, can you leave Australia right now? Like, are they allowing travel out at least? No, no, they're not allowing travel. Not this out. I mean, I understand not not in that they would stop that, but not at, not out either. Not I don't out. believe they are. No, hmm. I, I could, I could be wrong, but, um, and I, that's, that's a problem. That's a, that's a problem again, where I want to see some kind of, some kind of maybe an NGO come again and getting these people out of the country. See, this is the problem with ocean walls. They're made to keep people in, you know, <laughs> they are, you gotta have those, in his walls. You gotta have those normal fence walls. Cause you can get around those. The ocean walls are the ones that you really have to be worried about. Right. Um, so one thing, so Maurice, you didn't, you didn't get to do a rehumanizing project episode. I want you to give everyone a little bit of your backstory and, um, just catch everyone up. Tell us about your entire life and, uh, everything that makes you, you. And, uh, and then I don't know, I, I should have enough, I should have enough space on the card for that. So, all right, go ahead. Oh, well, so I'm, I'm an army brat. So I grew up and I mean, say, go ahead and think what you will about that. So I grew up around the military. My dad was in the army. He was a police officer. So I grew up in very structured homes. Um, I mean, my, my, exactly. I'm a fed. Yes, exactly. My, I mean, my, 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 I'm the only male in my family in my lineage that has not been in the military. Um, so go figure. But, um, I, my mom wouldn't allow me to go into the military. She said, you're the only boy, so you're not allowed to go. I said, I'm cool with that. And that was right around the um, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq wars and so forth. So, and I was going to go in the chair force if I was going into any form of armed services. Uh, so when I went, went to school, got my degree at the time, I was a staunch Republican, unfortunately voted for, for John McCain. And then, um, kind of heard about Ron Paul and, and of course, from my military background was like, man, that guy's an isolationist. Like I'm not dealing with that guy. He just wants to leave everybody alone. And then we'll have the Mexicans come in and invade us. Like, like this was my mindset. And I remember going back and forth with a guy and, um, in 2012, I didn't really care about politics. Um, and then I actually started, um, I'm a very, very, very religious guy. Um, so very, very devout Christian, um, and I really started to get into theology and really started to um, understand the Israelites and how they operated prior to having a king and then understood what being a Christian really was and how, in essence, it was don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. But you have to live according to whatever constructs are, are within the area. It's OK to to disagree with them, but you have to work within those constructs. And it's like, man. I don't vote this way. Like if I, if I'm going to live this out, this walk, this, this walk out, then I don't vote this way. Like people who I vote for, they're pro war. Um, they're pro spending more than you have. They're all of these things. 
And so 2016 rolled around and I was just like, this is a prime example. This is a prime time not to vote for any of the two major players. And I was like, okay, Gary Johnson, I, I, I listened to this guy a little bit. And so I libertarian. So I voted for him and then started diving down the libertarian rabbit hole, um, was just, just got into everybody and everything. And it started on YouTube. I would listen to a little bit of Ben Shapiro owns this lib. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. And I'm like, well, Ben Shapiro and I don't agree on a lot of things, but then it went from him to Steven Crowder owns this person, you know, owns this person. So, so I was like, okay, loud with Crowder. Like I would listen to that. And then my sister actually was like, you know what, you know who you really should listen to? Like you listen, you should listen to these guys at good morning Liberty. Like, I feel like you guys would, would check them out. And this was literally like on my way down this path. And so I was like, okay, I'll check them out a little bit. And I really got into firearms, like severely heavily. My wife was like, you need to have a hobby figure out what that is. And so I picked bourbon and I picked firearms, two of the most expensive hobbies you could have. Go figure. At the so, same time. Yeah. Exactly. Right bourbon at the same time. Drinking and right shooting you picked at the same time. They gotta be, yeah. Exactly. I guess it's how you have to deal with marriage, you know, cause we were newlyweds <laughs> at the time. So I was learning, but no. So we, um, so I ended up uh, going down that rabbit hole, following a different firearms enthusiast. And, and, then, and then I started looking at laws around firearms. So I was like, man, I've got to do this. And I do this like, man, this stuff sucks. Like, I'm not dealing with any of this. And then so listening, Good Morning Liberty, I was like, man, these are some smart guys. Like, okay. And then so I started listening to more and more different podcasts. This was right about, was right probably when I, when I moved back to Texas. So about 2019. And, and I had just gone down the hole, down the hole, and down the hole. And then turned it and turned out, I was like, man, I hate all of this stuff. Like, maybe I am an anarcho-capitalist. Maybe I am a, I, I am for the sense of like, the government should play no role in my life um, whatsoever, no, no matter what that cost is. Like, I feel like private businesses can, can do a far better job. And even working in the finance industry, seeing like, like, yeah, I manage my money far better than the government ever does. So anytime we talk about government spending, anytime we talk about the Fed, anytime we talk about... Anything that deals with finances, it bore my blood boils. I remember we did an episode, um, probably like our third episode, and we're like, yes, yeah, it's a civil discord. We discuss things civilly and so forth. And then I started talking about the inflation and CPI and everything going, and I'm yelling into the mic, and I'm like, this is not civil. So, but um, it, it 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 really. I, I point it all back to my desire to to truly walk out a Christian life. And this is why a, a lot of when, when I speak to people who go to my church and so forth, I try not to talk about politics, but I tell them, I'm like, if you're truly going to say that you live these things out, then I'm telling you, if, if you're if you're going to say that even when you vote, because we have this whole Trump is a Christian and we had to support him because of this, that or the other. And I'm like, no, that's not how things work. And so um, I, I've really actually changed a lot of people in, within my friend group, their minds, because I look at it from a very religious standpoint. Um, so so th they'll think like, OK, you know, if we really do care about the poor, if we really do care, take care of the widows and the orphans as we're supposed to, then this is the best way to do it. Not passing the buck off to somebody else because I'm too lazy to do it. So that that's kind of how I got started um, and how I ended up here today. So you don't you don't think that Jesus was a communist? Oh no, not at all. Okay. And I used to hear that all the time in high school. Jesus was a communist. I'm like, what? That makes no sense to me whatsoever. You're like, what are you There's talking no about? He was an anarcho-communist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. come on. He was gonna do it freely. Or he was a socialist. He's a democratic <laughs> yeah. socialist. Like, okay. That's what it was. 
Jesus would have voted for Bernie. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, if you just go by the principles of uh, doing unto others, you know, as, uh, as you would have done to you and loving loving each other like uh, yes. like I love you or like, uh, you know, love every, everybody, love everybody and uh, do unto others. And that would really explain how uh, hopefully if everyone lived by that, that you'd be able to have this anarcho society, you know, right. and I, I assume that's how you got there. But a lot of people would say that if you're really religious, uh, then you can't go in that direction. Like you were just saying that you've got to force people to help everyone. And that's just not really the way to do it. I don't agree. Not at all. Not at all. I don't agree either. I do not. Amanda. Yeah. Same thing. I want to know every single thing that happened <laughs> from what you can remember up until now. Well, that's uh, that's classified under HIPAA uh, with my therapist's okay. office. <laughs> but um, no, I well, so I've, I have already done an RHP episode, and and so I, I try I will try not to rehash some of the same stuff. Um, I grew up in DC. I then went to Los Angeles uh, for undergrad, and I acted, and that was a lot of fun. I still love acting, and then I uh, went to Chicago for my MA. Um, and I academic, and that was a lot of fun academicing. And then I did a little, <laughs> I spent a little bit of time in PR land as well as think tank land. And then I skedaddled back over to Los Angeles where I'm getting my PhD now. Uh, I have generally been in circles that are certainly less, uh, less conservative. i consider myself it's sort of like the this the, the bastard love child of a 60s berkeleyite and a <laughs> radical capitalist and you get me so you know I, I i i like being part of the party that has hippie type people just as long as i'm not one of those people so i always get really happy when when i see libertarian <laughs> hippies i'm like these are my brothers <laughs> um you know i i think politics it, for everyone's politics is in some way a trauma response. I firmly believe that. Um, and, and in my case, you know, I, I never had any reason to have any faith in anyone else's authority or to see anyone else's desire to protect me as anything other than a threat. So I think when you grow up that way, it gives you a greater respect for developing your own sense of self as an adult. Uh, you learn you know, you, you also learn, though, that life without any meaning is life without purpose. And that's even more arbitrary. So you get to create your own meaning. And that is your job. Now, where I think that comes in with self-ownership and politics is that I think one of the fundamental imperatives of human being is creation. And that owing to the distribution of knowledge, the fact that all of us operate with incomplete knowledge, the most efficient means and the most empowering means of creating is to do so in civil society. And where the state comes in, and this is why I'm not an anarchist, I, I think where the state comes in, ideally the state exists to unify people with a sort of common creative mission statement. There's a plurality of values in this world. There's a plurality of axiologies. And some of us value things on a higher level than others do. We have different rankings. So what the state does, it's sort of like a, it, it's, it should ideally be like a corporation where it unites people that, has a com that have a common set of ends and allows for a plurality of means to flourish. So that's also why I would feel like a democratic state that has an independent capitalist market is the best means of governance. Um, but that's that's sort of the my political uh, my political thought in a nutshell. 
I used to be a little bit more of a neocon or a lot more of a neocon. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was always, I was always a civil libertarian. And I think when you learn that, first of all, we spend a lot on our military and spending smarter often means spending less. When you learn that we have all of these avenues like cyber fortification that don't involve huge amounts of attrition and warfare, uh, that changes your perception of the necessity of war and what war accomplishes while still, I think, keeping you clear-eyed enough to have a, a, an objective for developing a 21st century libertarian foreign policy. Uh, I have changed my mind on a couple things recently in, in that regard. I've changed my mind, first of all, on uh, currency competition, where I'm now a lot more bullish on currency competition than I used to be and, and, and decentralized finance. And I've also changed my mind on, on Edward Snowden. I think on the podcast, I publicly apologized to Edward Snowden because I thought he was sort of, an, I, I, I honestly, I bought the lie. I bought the lie that he was a traitor. And, uh, and I have been, I've been turned in that regard. Was so. it the movie that did it for you? <laughs> it was, <laughs> I think, I, I think I might've heard him on Rogan. And then I, and you know, anytime you hear about the surveillance state, you, especially now you think this sounds exactly like coronavirus response. And, and the, the state just always has this tendency to aggrandize itself either inwardly or outwardly. Mm. And one of the easiest means to do that or easiest means of doing so is through surveillance. It happens every single time. I don't know what it is. The state loves to police people's movement. Mm. And, uh, I was, I, you know, I, I changed my tune a lot realizing, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I've been had, uh, on, on, on this lie about what Snowden did. So. You know, one uh, we're giving a uh, a talk at a, an event in that's coming up in Nashville in October. I think it's on October 9th called Freer Fest, and uh, so we're we're going to be giving a talk there. And what they are what they asked us to give a speech on is going to be uh, privacy, and it's not something that we talk about a ton. Charlie gets a gets a little bit more worked up about the Fourth Amendment and everything, and so I was thinking about it a lot today. And what I realized, or not today, but last week when when I was sending them over some of my notes for it, um, what I realized is that a tyrannical state really cannot exist if the people have a full amount of privacy. If they can't look into, and I don't just mean. I mean, with everything, I mean, being able to get into your bank account and take your money, you know, mm -hmm. I believe everything, like, I mean, full privacy, a disconnection from the state where they cannot figure out anything about you. And, right. if, the, and if that is truly the case, then you really can, you're not going to be able to have this tyrannical state pop up because they won't be able to operate in a way that the tyrannical state needs to, which is always uh Going, they, it always has to do with privacy. They're going to go door to door. They're going to they're going to ask for your papers when you're freely traveling. Uh, they're they're going to listen to your phone calls, or they're going to uh, find a way to get through your photos on your phone, or wh whatever the case may be. And so that's really an idea that I'm just I'm working on. I'm I'm trying to trying to work through it in my mind right now. And uh, I've kind of written. I've written all of this down and trying to organize it, and uh, we have, have to talk. I'll have to talk about this for an hour. So I've I've been working on the speech a little bit, uh, but I don't know. That that was just kind of random because you're talking about the privacy thing and and the state. Um, I I feel like that's really what always happens. They kind of take the pri They have to have your privacy. They have to take it from you. 
it's I get dorky about this. And, you know, Foucault gets a bad rap, but he was actually one of the one of the early people who identified the fact that at least in this century, the past century, identified the fact that the state thrives on surveillance and on quantifying things and on saying on on labeling your identity based on a characteristic that now becomes who you are and the state loves doing this and he you know he says, the census is would be an example of that which is less insidious but there are there are other means as well you want that panopticon state and what's curious is that it's always under the guise of protection right mm. but america has to add that extra step and they have in the past had to say it's to protect your liberties. And now there's less and less of a need, I think, to even say it's to protect your liberties anymore. It's just, it's just to keep you safe. Right. Uh, a few people are saying, no, well, why, for, for what would we be safe? What, what, what is, what's the end goal there? Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. And it is just something that, the state enjoys doing it, it. It's a means of aggrandizement. It's also a dangerous, you know, if you, if you think of it, if you think of it, another respect, privacy is also important because you don't want to have someone like China or Russia being able to get into various nodes of, uh, you know, various <clears throat> platforms and screw stuff up. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. These days, I'm more worried about the U.S. than I am China right. or Russia. <laughs> you know, but no, Me I mean, uh, longer term horizons, uh, those are things to be worried about too. Um, Marisa, I don't. Did you have anything on? How do you? Did you have anything on this? I wanted to make sure you had a chance. If you if you did, no, it's all good. I I I the the mere fact that I cannot fully live off the grid live mm -hmm. off the grid. It, it, it just shows the need for, for government surveillance. Like I have to, the fact that I have to be able to, um, that the government can have access to my bank account for like nothing. Um, I mean, I've had this, this is another probably trauma thing that has, that's caused me to hate the government as much as I do. I've literally had my bank account seized for like $153 as a broke college student, because I, somebody else's name was attached to my, to, to my account. And I didn't get any of that money back. I'm like, how am I supposed to spend any of this? Like, I can't do anything. I, I was literally, I, like like Amanda said, it probably the, people's disdain as far as politics stuff probably came at some traumatizing event. That was probably my traumatizing event. Like I government feds, I know you're listening. You owe me $153.33. I want you guys to know that. Man, it's rough. But but I mean, definitely I, I um I want my $153 back, people. <laughs> Grr. Honestly, if it's only 153, you're doing better than a lot of, you know, yes, you're doing pretty definitely. good, I definitely. guess. Isn't that bad so. that that would even say that? Like, oh, if they've only stolen <laughs> this amount of money through force from you, then uh, it's not that bad. Comparative, you're good. So one thing I want to know <clears throat> as we as we start, I mean, we don't have to wrap up immediately, but I know Marisa's Internet is uh, is arguing to the contrary. But what I want to know is what are you guys' goals? Like, what do you hope to accomplish with the podcast, both, uh, you know, personally, or what are you trying to, do you want to change the world? Is that, is that what we want to do? Because that's my goal. I'm just going to do a little simple task of changing the world. So what do you guys want to do? 
Definitely. That, that, that is, that was the, the birthing of this is, is like, we're trying to change the world. Um, and I would love for us to grow as far as I, w- I won't say necessarily host, but people who disagree with us as a host. And so we can really just kind of like toss things back and forth and have a discussion and hopefully change people's minds on that. Um, we're actually going to be on, on another guy's um, uh, podcast here in a couple of weeks. And I remember when he first started his podcast, he was very much a, he, he was very much like a middle of the road thinking like uh, war is really good because of this, that, or the other. And all I did was have a conversation with him on his post on Instagram and say like, Hey, um, you may want to check this. You're talking about principles over politics and so forth. Um, but let's talk about this and let's talk about this. And I've I, since from, I want to say episode three of his podcast to now I've seen him slowly progress to like libertarian views and like, tr- and like almost he's, I would say he's, he's almost full blown minarchist right now, which I'm, I consider that a win. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I can do that with j- just with, with the podcast, I mean, even though our, our, our listenership is not high, which is fine, but if I've got, you know, 50 people in a room who are listening to me and listening to us talk and we're able to change their minds, then I'm okay with that. And it's even kind of moved over into my career change. So now I'm, now I'm teaching. Um, and now I'm teaching kids about how much uncle Sam takes from them every single paycheck. And they're upset with that. And I, so, and every now and again, I drop little hints of, Hey, I'm not talking about politics in my, in my classroom, but here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. And I get to teach taxes. Like I feel like that's awesome. That's a great way to get these kids to grow up, to get to get our next generation to grow up and understand like, hey, the government's not always there to protect you. The government is not the government is not there in your best interest. And so if we can just change minds slowly and slowly and slowly and reach um, people who who are close to me that don't necessarily like no offense that that they, they don't listen to Nate and Chuck because they don't have that relationship like I do. But if I can listen with them one-on-one and say, Hey, look, like, um, here's a basic, here's one thing. We break down this topic for, for an hour for you guys. We break down critical race theory and what we think about it. We break down what's happening in Afghanistan and what we think about. We break down what's happening in Australia and what we think about. And we spend an episode on that. And it's not some, like, for me, it's not some high level libertarian thought process that is, Oh, you're so stuck in your ways and there's no level of, of, of communicating. There's an actual level of, Hey, I know the guy who's speaking and I trust him and we have that relationship. So I can listen to his podcast and he's, he's actually making a little bit of sense. He's teaching my kids. He's, I I see him around this. I see him around my community. He's in my community. He's, he's a good person. He's not selfish. He's not some, some corporatist person who only supports big, big companies and wants everybody to, to be broke and establishes all the things. Once we establish that level of relationship in the community, I feel like we can, we can start changing from a local level and grow and grow that bigger as, as opposed to starting from a big level and working down. Yeah. For me, I don't, I don't even think of it about, I don't even think of it as being about changing minds. That's although I am definitely trying to become the Supreme overlord of Liberty. And we've established that. Um, so I would like that. But after that, um, I, you know, I, I actually, I like the discord. Um, I mean, I like, I like the idea of having dissenting voices. We, what we would love to do is we'd love to, you know, be bringing more people on who do disagree. And for me, the, the purpose of that is not as much about, 
changing minds because I get bored when everyone just thinks like me. Um, I, I want more information. Mm. I want other people to have more information so that they, I think when you understand that there are multiple perspectives on an issue, you're able to think about the issue on a more critical level because you realize it's not cut and dry and you realize it's not easy. Mm. And then you start asking, okay, well, where do I line up and how do I, how do I square this contradiction with that? And how, how do I, where do I rank these values? What do I care about? What do I think is the best means of getting from point A to point B? So what we want to do is we want to be able to have more, more guests on there. We want to be able to have more of a back and forth that at times can maybe get a little bit, uh, can get a little bit tense, but it's all toward the end of getting more voices heard and amplifying it, diverse voices. So yeah, we'd, we'd like to mix things up. We'd like to, of course, uh, grow our listener base. We'd also like to grow our guest base. So definitely. Yeah. I think one of the really important things is to be willing to, uh, you know, the thing about having a nice long for long form conversation about just say a single topic and you just talk through it for a half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour on one single topic, you've got to be willing to be, you've got to be very open-minded on it. Um, and I know that both of you guys are, and that's why it's really great. You've got to be willing to be wrong on an issue, willing to have your mind changed on something. Definitely. And, uh, and if you don't go into the conversation with that, uh, then you're really not going to discover anything new in the conversation. You know, you've already decided that you that you know everything. You're just looking to back up your preconceived notions about everything. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to know, I, a question I had earlier, have either of you changed each other's minds on anything? You, mm. Yes. You changed my mind about hate crimes. Yes. At first I was against hate crimes, and now I'm for them. I think they're fantastic. No. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, big fan um, of them. Big I, fan. Just, I, just, yeah. I just, not enough of them, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's very anti hate crime. No. Uh, I, Maurice changed my mind about, uh, about whether crimes should be prosecuted differently just because there was a hate crime. And, you know, I, all crimes are hate crimes. If, if it's a violent crime, it's a hate crime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, he, he got me at the very least to, to think differently about it. Cause of course your, your gut reaction, your knee jerk reaction is that, well, if it's a hate crime, then, then, then of course it's worse and it should be, you know, it should be tried different and prosecuted differently. But at the end of the day, violent crime is hate crime and we're drawing, you know, a hate crime is assuming intent. And if that's mm. not clear, then it's, it's very difficult to make the case that you should punish somebody more just because you think that they were thinking something when they committed a crime. So that was one thing. Well, and the justice yeah. is supposed to be for the, you know, for the victim, you're supposed to be bringing justice and by, by giving different punishments just solely based on what the color of someone's skin was, you're just blatantly saying that you're valuing different victims differently, just solely, solely based on that. Because if you think about that's what the punishment is supposed to be, there's supposed to be some kind of justice for that victim. What are you saying about someone who was white, who was murdered in the exact same fashion as someone who was black that was murdered in the exact same fashion? that their life wasn't as important. I, it just don't make no sense. Don't make no sense, man. Uh, I will say, and I know Amanda has changed her mind on a few things um, as far as Machiavelli is concerned. Definitely that one from her rehumanizing. And even in this podcast, when, when, when we've discussed it a couple of times, I was like, okay, I've got to remember that, 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 Hey, 
don't believe everything that that people have taught you, you know, like kind of gets a bad rap. Um, but that, and then, and then just, just understanding that, um, I know we talk about an individualism because there are some times where I'll say like, well, you know, if the business wants to do this and they can do this, but a man always, always reminds me like, like we're here to protect the individual. So if we cannot protect the individual, then who are we protecting? Um, and so, and so th- th- there are situations where I'm like, oh, well, you know, if the business wants to do this and she's like, mm, that's not <laughs> right. Let's make sure that we clarify those things. And I was like, okay, like, yes, you are right. Um, so th- th- there are some things where I'm like, you know what, man is right. Let me backtrack. Let me, let me rethink some things. And, and, and like, like you were saying, Nate, and um, in, in these long forms, it does give us some time to like sit back and, and think of, think about my position. And say like, okay, like, is this if because if I've got to talk about this for an hour, then I've got to make sure that I, I have my my position steel man ready to go. Mm-hmm. And um, and th- th- there there are some situations where I don't. I'm like, you know what, I I was wrong on that. So let me take a step back and 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 we'll move forward. Even though I still think that if we invade Australia, it needs to be com- companies <laughs> invading Australia. And by invade, <laughs> I mean leaving, so people stop doing business in Australia. That's my that's my two cents for that one though. <laughs> and and the man that would be pro war with Australia, I, I guess. Yeah. We they will be greeted yeah. as liberators, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Amanda, go watch some uh, go watch some Ron Paul and then we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of the Australia stuff. No, but guys, I really uh, I really appreciate I really appreciate you coming on and I hope everyone in the Discord is going to go first off, go follow that podcast. I hope you all agreed. And it's a good thing Clay is not here because we just did a really long ad. Uh, for the last, yeah, for, <laughs> there was some time yes. we talked about news in there uh, for, for a little bit, just to give a little, a little, a little taste of what y'all talk about, you know? Right. Um, but, but anyway, I hope everyone goes and, uh, and subscribes and uh, Maurice, it's really good to talk to you. Amanda, it was great to talk to you as well. We just talked last week, you know, so. Uh, I, well, I know I'm intimidating, so it's always a little I, bit of a, I know no, it's great to talk to you. I'm man. trying to wrap it up because I was worried it was about to turn into a debate and I didn't want to do that. So, um, <laughs> you know, got to got to end everything real quick before we talk about this, uh, this business thing that Maurice was just mentioning. On the oh, yeah. Yeah, we thing. can do that. Yeah. We can do that. Huh, we'll have sometime. to do that sometime. Oh, schedule that. All right. Definitely. <laughs> you have, you've got a link to my schedule now. So actually now you can just, uh, <laughs> just, just be scheduling myself yeah. and some debate every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I really appreciate both of you coming on and tell everyone where to find it. Is there a website yet or just searching on, you got so, the social media lined up. I know I followed you on Twitter earlier. Definitely. Um, so um, civil discord is the name of the podcast. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at civil discord podcast. Um, you can follow me on Instagram as well at call me Maurice, you know, like space cowboy. Some people call me Maurice <laughs> at call me Maurice. And then uh, Amanda's got our Twitter game on lock. So, yeah, the Twitter is uh, at civil discord pod because uh, they don't let your name be long enough for podcasts. So at civil discord pod, mm-hmm. if you want to follow me, you can't it's at Ajax, the Griff Griff for whatever is G R Y F F just because I thought that looked cooler, but Ajax, the Griff. <laughs> I hate the Twitter link thing, by the way, because I had to put I had to put good AM Liberty and it was the only yeah. thing I could come with. And it, it says like good goodum liberty is really what <laughs> it says. And if you read it too fast, it looks like, you know, like bad words and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of <laughs> this is kind of weird. But anyway, both of you have a good night. Thank you so much. And we're gonna have to do this again pretty soon. Yes. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs>